Hello, Russell here. I'm excited to share some of my conversation with Nick Hayes with you for nothing. Nick is an author, illustrator, printmaker. He wrote this brilliant book, The Book of Trespass. It's my favourite Christmas present. He talks about all these things where he's done some trespassing, how land rights are separating us from our land and how they're sort of not arbitrary but kind of unexamined. Uh, through his charity right or organisation, Right to Rome, he's uh, campaigning to open up more land for more of us to enjoy the countryside. In this part of the conversation, which bit of the conversation should we use, Django? It was the bit about how the pandemic has affected people's relationship with nature. Do Why don't you say that in a more staccato way? Why don't you break <laughs> up every lost, single every single note. syllable? I lost the note. People will have to fast I, I forward scrolling. that to understand it. Like, <laughs> I can yeah, this, it. Bit, this bit's where he talks about the pandemic, isn't it? Yeah, this is a good I bit. I can de-staccato it. Yeah, I don't want you to de-staccato <laughs> I don't see why people should be protected from the truth of how you communicate. <laughs> Should they? They should. No. <laughs> Leave it normal. Leave it how it was. Uh, you can listen to more episodes of Under the Skin on Luminary, a subscription podcast network with original shows from your favourite creators. Well, it might not be your favourite creators, but they're damn good creators. That's what I will tell you. Luminary. I'm on there. There's a back catalogue there. It's like the Library of Alexandria. It's all you need to know. You listen to a few episodes of Under the Skin, you'll be ready to stride out into the world with a mask on, socially distant, and reclaim your life as a proud, noble citizen of Earth. You can get a subscription for as little as $2.99 or pounds or whatever money you use a month with their annual plan, plus a seven-day free trial to get started. Visit luminarypodcast.com to start your free trial. You will not regret it. It's not available in all markets. For example, maybe uh, Tahiti. It's not there. And it is subject to local currency and terms apply. You think there's not terms? There's terms. But this is a damn good podcast from Luminary. Trying to achieve equality with the annihilation of category is not no, a successful that, route. Yes, that's, that's, that's exactly right. We're in this era where it turns out we were never the boss. It doesn't look like an ideology. What's beneath the surface of people we admire, of the ideas that define our time, the history we are told? And welcome to Russell Brand. Under the skin. So that the objective of your campaign and sort of your ideals, as I understand them, is not like we should reclaim all privately owned land and make it once again common. It's rather that people should have the right to access walled off territories that have sort of been privately colonised. Well, one step at a time, I reckon. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I think certainly in terms of uh, the Right to Rome campaign, uh, what we're looking to do is just open up more of English nature to the public that so badly need it. Uh, you know, the science is in, that conversation is done. Mental health, physical health, spiritual health uh, have all been proved to be improved by access to nature. And on all sorts of scales as well, like, you know, a view from a mountaintop has been proved to make you kinder. It's not just heart disease and, uh, uh, you know, symptoms of anxiety or depression that are alleviated through, I don't know, running water and uh, birdsong, but just more kind of abstract or deeper ones, like ones that really do touch on the spiritual. Um, so for our Right to Rome campaign, we're just saying we've already got the Countryside and Rights of Way Act brought in in the year 2000, 20th anniversary, uh, just a, a couple of months ago. Uh, we've already got that. Let's extend it to rivers. Let's extend it to woodland and let's extend it to Greenbelt because currently the crow land or the open access land is out in the Peak District or Derbyshire. It's great. It's beautiful. But 
it could be extended to people's doorsteps and uh, for the health of the nation and quote unquote Boris Johnson to alleviate the pressure on the NHS, both uh, in terms of psychiatric and kind of uh, physical health, this would be the single most effective move uh, to, um, to just sort of promote a healthier England. You think that the sort of mental health crisis that is being exacerbated by this pandemic could be alleviated if there were immediate legislative change that gave people access to our land? People have been craving outside space. Like, you take it away. Like, I was first locked down. I was in a tower block in East London, 11th floor, it was just me and my mate doing kind of jujitsu moves in the foyer uh, in our pants, just like trying to sweat, trying to break a sweat, trying to keep our heart rate up. Um, all we had was a patch of uh, land on Columbia Road, like sort of a park uh, that was just rammed full of people. Uh, I'm a boater now and certainly during the first lockdown, uh, all the boaters were were actually quite scared because the towpaths were just heaving with people seeking exercise. Uh, Victoria Park was mental. Uh, And Bournemouth Beach made national news because everyone went crazy. The point that the papers almost obstinately refused to sort of (laughs) say uh, with regards to that is like how many rivers and fields and woodlands did people drive past to get to Bournemouth Beach? Like people like the seaside and everyone likes a sandcastle and stuff, but it's not in our culture uh, to go and sit by the river. It's not in our culture to um, uh, to just, you know, go and camp in the woods as a family. Uh, people do it, but people have to pay to do it, which basically means a lot of people can't do it. Uh, and so once again, this is how trespass enters the paradigm of class or, or income or wealth. Uh, if you know, bully for you if you've got uh, a thousand acres at your disposal that you can go and uh, sleep under the stars in, uh, or good luck to you if you can afford, you know, an overnight stay in a sort of glamping spot, uh, you know, to go and get some forest bathing in a woodland kind of thing. It all costs money. Petrol, uh, childcare if you're just going away, uh, you know, as a couple. All of this kind of thing doesn't have to it just doesn't exist in Norway like you have the option of glamping but you also have the option of just taking a roll mat and sleeping under the stars because they just don't define it as a crime yes to sort of criminalize our relationship with nature seems like a as you say an obstinate and willfully uh, cruel thing to do I was thinking as you were speaking that these are the for you know, hundreds of thousands, millions of years, we've evolved in alignment with these conditions. We're born of these conditions. It's only a relatively modern thing to be denied access to them. Uh, Elsewhere in the book, Nick, you talk about the kind of assumption that the the countryside and Englishness belongs to particular types of people, that there are particular types of activity that are sanctioned by particular groups of people. How has this come about and how do we challenge these preconceptions? And can you explain a little bit what I'm alluding to? Yeah, I I mean, what your question made me think of uh, uh, the hair chapter. All the the chapters have got animal names on them that kind of weave in and out. Uh, They're kind of the totems of each chapter. 
And um, the hair chapter was about basically about rave and the kind of ecstatic relationship uh, that we have with the land. You know, like uh, first time I heard Faithless out in, you know, first time I heard Insomnia uh, out in the open air at some festival, probably Reading kind of thing, under the stars. And then, you know, the bass dropped and everyone went stir fry crazy. And suddenly I'd, I'd felt it in clubs before, but it was a different thing. It was under the stars. Uh, um, there, there was a magic there that, that really made me feel like the kind of art and the culture and the music that humans make uh, actually has a place amongst uh, the wild world. Uh, and in many ways is our wildness. That's the kind of imagination that, that comes from it. But basically all of those old English festivals, Jacka Green, uh, Beltane, Sarwain, all of those kind of things, uh, there were there were just hundreds more of them. They they were localised, they were small, they were relative to the topography, to the land, to the weather, to the just weird, queer, eccentric culture that existed on the commons. But of course, and I go in the book to Wilderness Festival, where there was a huge, uh, basically anarchist festival, um, people brought along a bit like, um, what is it, Burning Man now, like, uh, you know, you bring along what you've got and you sort of swap it and trade it and uh, if you can juggle or fire breathe or, you know, whatever, you just do it and people hang around and watch kind of thing. That was the origin of festivals. Uh, but now in this same place, Cornbury Park in Oxfordshire, this is where wilderness uh, happens. And as I make, you know, I'm very careful to say that wilderness is a pretty good festival there's bog roll in the toilets and it's clean and stuff but it is the apotheosis of um what's become of our sort of festival uh kind of pagan spirit which is basically if you can afford it you can do it um and you know there's the sort of to add insult to injury you can you can pay two grand to go to wilderness festival and stay in a gypsy caravan but if you are a traveller <laughs> and you turn up in a gypsy caravan, they're going to shit on you from a great height. So everything's become kind of commodified. Um, it's, you know, the sort of romance is sold to you. The idea that you can do it yourself autonomously uh, has just disappeared. And of course, the people that are blamed for the diminishment of English culture uh are it's it's that myth of winterval that i go into in the book you know you blame immigrants for uh watering down english culture but the bare bog standard truth of it is that we're just not allowed to create our culture uh if that culture is entertainment or coming together or uh communality there's nowhere for us to do it unless you've got the pennies in your pocket to give to someone that ha that owns the title deeds of it makes me feel nick that the wrath that fueled brexit is indeed uh, is a, a wrath that is legitimate a rage a sense that people have been disconnected from their land from who they really are robbed of sacredness our, even sacredness seems now too esoteric a word to describe what would have been an organic and visceral connection to nature. And yes, it's easy to see how appointed enemies bear the brunt of that fury because it's harder to, well, 
not only harder to recognise, it's actively concealed that what's taken place is that capital has been inserted in all of these relationships. I like the bit, excuse me, where you describe uh, the sort of phenomena of like forest bathing or whatever, even like something like you say in your book, like a stroll in the woods has been repackaged to something that requires sort of the commodity to midwife it back to you. If you're enjoying this conversation, join me over at Luminary for the rest of our discussion. For all the latest episodes of Under the Skin, go to luminarypodcast.com to start your free trial. This is a free trial. See you there.